Jeez, Curtis, have you been running from zombies or something? I haven't heard panning like that since a beautiful weekend I spent with a shop teacher back in 1998. No, I ate a donut. And boy, are my arms tired. You know, if you were a little more active, you wouldn't be such a wobbling snack for the undead. I am not a snack for the undead. No, no, you're not. You are a smorgasbord. (laughs) You'll never survive the zombie apocalypse, Curtis. Dustin, there is not anything resembling a zombie apocalypse. You don't know, Tim. All right, all right, all right. Oh, Tim, Dustin is right. We could all use a tone up. Maybe some training in throwing knives hard enough to penetrate a brain pan. That is impossible, Curtis. You don't know! Okay, fine, yes, okay. (laughs) No, Dustin, Curtis is right. I think we would all be in a lot of trouble if we were being chased very quickly by the running dead or ambled after super slowly, like on The Walking Dead. But exercise is so boring and expensive. There's got to be a better way. Well... As it happens. Do tell us more about this amazing opportunity you're about to tell us about, Tim. Yes, Tim. Don't make us torture you for this information in an abandoned building. I have just the building in mind. Look, all you have to do is go to OutbreakChallenge.com and look at the stuff they have there. OutbreakChallenge.com? Tell us more about this Outbreak Challenge. Is it a cellular phone application? Of course, it's a cellular phone application. God, you're good looking when you ask stupid questions. It pairs with all your devices, even the ones that you wear on your wrist to make everyone think you pay attention to your health. So you you stab things in the temple and you get abs. I see what you mean, Dustin. (laughs) So you're saying all I have to do is go to OutbreakChallenge.com to find out more information on how I can finally make my exercise program, which I don't currently have, less of a tedious and futile purposeless activity to even consider starting. That's right. You can go to OutbreakChallenge.com, put in our code ZOMBIERUN, that's Zombie run put together as one word and save 15% off your race. There's a whole bunch of different races with various goals, and when you complete one, you get an actual medal. A, a fucking medal? That's right. You know what I'm gonna do, Dustin? What's that, Curtis? Finish your donut? <laughs> yep. Then I'm going to outbreakchallenge.com and get my zombie fuck on. Get that zombie fuck, Curtis. Do it, you jerks. Dumb jerks with stupid and dumb jerks. You know, Dustin, I'm I'm not sure that's the best marketing approach. You quiet, you Tim! Go to outbreakchallenge.com and enter in code zombie run and save 15% off your race. Outbreakchallenge.com, code zombie run, and save 15% off. Fear the zombie uprising. Are you prepared to survive what's coming? If you listen very carefully, you might just make it out alive. This is Zompocalypse Now.
Um. Hello. Hello. Fuck this fucking show. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you what know. What the hell? When when did when did when did any of the Walking Dead's become so goddamn maudlin? Well, the they were pretty much just misery porn for a little while. There were about three seasons where nothing happened, but everybody was sad and hurt hurt themselves uh, with their emotions. That's where moral quandary Rick came from. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hi, folks. Welcome to Zompocalypse Now. I am Timothy Harvey. And I'm Dustin. I am Curtis. And on this episode, we are looking at two of the Fear the Walking Dead Season 7 episodes. Cindy Hawkins and Breathe With Me. I liked I liked Breathe With Me much better than I liked uh, Cindy Hawkins. Cindy Hawkins could have been 30, like, like 15 to 30 minutes long. It dragged on for a while. And Breathe With Me is an example of, yet again... How the Walking Dead does not understand distance or time and expects the audience to ignore things like distance and time. And I don't know, reality in general. Yeah. Nobody ain't nobody Googled what Fallout does. Or no, that's what they did. They Googled what Fallout does. And uh and and they're like it says Fallout's not a thing, so maybe we can just make up whatever we want about it. I am uh, looking up the uh, the writers here because um, they have a lot of explaining to do. <laughs> Nick Bernadone and Jacob Nick Bernadone and Jacob Pinion for Cindy Hawkins and Nazrin Chowdhury and David Johnson for Breathe with Me. Um, I don't blame them as much as I blame the fact that they have set up this situation that these writers have to deal with because a writer's room is, you know, they don't necessarily make the overarching decisions for how the show is going to go. And they've just got to decide how to make things work. And there's somebody in that room that everybody's afraid to get on the wrong side of that is making the poorest choices in dialogue (laughs) and story element. Oh, Let's go ahead and talk about Cindy Hawkins first, uh, because I bet you we can get through it in about 20 minutes. John, John Dory Jr. Sr. and June are in a, a fallout shelter that Lex Luthor set up years and years and years and years ago. Uh, and he was going to go there and with Dakota and, and I don't know, be Adam and Eve or like embalm her or whatever. Nobody knows exactly what his plan was. But John Dory Jr. Sr. and June ended up down in there and they have been living this very monotonous life for a, about 45 days. Uh, June states, she claims that she read a pamphlet and it told her how long they needed to stay in the bunker and it was roughly 400 days, 365, 400, like a year, maybe a year and a month. So John Dory Jr. Sr. is like, okay, yeah, that's great, except for he is slowly but surely losing his mind. And oh, by the way, he became a functioning alcoholic after the zombie apocalypse 
And uh, now that there's a reduction in the amount of alcohol he can consume in a day, he's starting to go a little nutty. Yeah. Uh, June has been building uh, some suits that she hopes are going to be safe for the uh, fallout. Uh, and she says, like, she's got them done. She's like, we've got to create, like, a pressurized, like, like try to create some sort of, like, antechamber so that if we go out, we don't bring anything back in. It would really be sucky if somebody went out and all the fallout fell down through the, the hole in the opening in the, in the get this in here and the other person down there was exposed to radiation. Wouldn't nope. that be terrible, John Jory Jr. Sr.? And he said, huh? And so one night there's like an earthquake or something and a, a uh, shelf falls over and there is another room that they didn't even know about behind the shelf. And in the room is the place where Lex Luthor used to embalm the lady. And that makes John Dory Sr. go completely crazy and be like, I have got to find out where the last lady I never was able to find is. It was only 40 years ago. And June's like, this is not a good plan, John Dory Jr. Sr. And he's like, no, the, the, the visions I'm having of the ghost of the lady have told me it's what I need to do. And she's like, you're going through alcohol withdrawals. Mm-hmm. And, and he's like, no, I swear it's fine. And then he steals a suit and goes out into the radiated wasteland and leaves the hatch open for just forever. That fallout's fallen in. Yeah, but they never mentioned it. Like, I think that it's enough. The writer's like, well, June mentioned that they were going to create an antechamber. We don't need to show her doing it or how she figured out how to do it. Oh, because she didn't. That her, yes, like they didn't. But then there are these guys out there and they see John Dory Jr. Sr. And then he fights some walkers and, and the people see him go down into the hole and they start trying to break in which makes things even just worse. And then there's the, like a cave-in and John Dory Sr. goes out and, and like tries to, to fight the guys. And then Cindy Hawkins' ghost is floating around like, like you know, crazy. And, and it's just a mess. It's a mess. And in the is, end, they, they end up in Morgan's, in Morgan's Tower. At the end, they, they survive and end up in Morgan's Tower. That's it. It is absolutely a train wreck, epic proportion. So on one hand, what we have here is we have John Dory Sr. dealing with this unfinished business of trying to find this missing victim of Teddy's. Uh, Dustin keeps saying Lex Luthor, but it's Lionel Luthor. Lex Luthor is the son from Smallville. I prefer, so. to, I prefer to think of him as the, the doctor that creates Bane in Batman Forever. Well, there's that too. He's a lot of great things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, you know, I will always uh, think of him as uh, no, no, that was Ron Perlman. Never mind. <laughs> I would think of him as Ron Perlman. <laughs> so there's this, you know, not uninteresting story of an obsessive man trying to solve the last mystery of a crime for the person he's hunted for so long and that would make for an interesting story somewhere else and it's not a necessarily uninteresting story of june struggling with the fact that 
she's afraid and oh god i missed i skipped that part that is the most insulting bullshit so at the very very beginning of the episode june tells john dory junior senior that she that the pamphlet she read said that they had to stay in the bunker for a year plus just a little bit over a year and he's just like well okay and then later like after he goes out and it's not nearly as bad as he thought it was gonna be he like confronts her about it and he's like you said it was bad out there and it was it's like they're still standing in a smoky crater like it's bad she was not exaggerating and uh and she's like well i don't know and he's like what are you talking about and she's like i made up the year thing because i'm a woman and i'm afraid of facing the world without my husband and it's like no that's that's that no that why no no we can't and i won't and i can't and i won't and it's bad so just like with John Dory Sr.'s story, there is a potentially interesting story about someone who has been through so much over the last several years that she is living in fear and she has frozen. She's stuck in this place where she's scared to go on because of everything that's happened to her. Again, this could be an interesting story, just not here. And combining the two of them into the same episode is not helping anything well because here's the problem they're both b plots they've this show had two b plots and they tried to beef the the one of them up to be an a plot but it just failed well it's episode seven and we're finally hearing from these two right that's so deep in the b plot land i don't even know well, it's episode three of season seven. It just feels like episode seven because Wait, this it? season seems like a million years long. Is it? Because, uh, hang on, you guys. Yes. Yeah. Episode three of season seven. Okay. Fair enough. It seems like we've watched seven episodes of season seven. <laughs> well, and not only that, but it's so, only like, I think we're only like three episodes behind, too. So there's only three. seven episodes in this cycle. But anyway, so it's, you know, they end up safe and sound. And John Dory Jr. Sr. is like, we're not going to stay here, are we? And and June brings him over the window and shows him all the walkers and says, I don't think we have much of a choice. After Strand came in and stranded all over the place. Yeah. Um, just being, you know, hi, I, I'm Strand and I've got a costume and I'm going to basically say the things and, and if pour alcohol it, for the alcoholic. If they make it all the way through this season without somebody saying something about the hat. <laughs> well, the next episode involves Sarah. And I, when he walked up and she didn't say something about the hat, I was shocked. Well, you know, she made a whole lot of questionable decisions that entire episode. So it's not terribly surprising that she made a questionable uh, decision there about and didn't bring up his hat. So So, that's that's episode three. It's a thing that happened. Like Curtis says, you know, it is always, always great to see Jenna Elfman and Keith Carradine. But both of them do fine work with what they've been given. Keith Carradine was struggling with that dialogue, trying so hard to make it work. And and he can do that. He's got those kinds of skills. But uh, 
he was not served by the script at all. Mm-mm. No, I'm, 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 I don't want to say livid because I just don't care that much, but, uh, right. you know, if I did, I would be livid that these writers, these two writers who one of them is a comedy writer for fuck's sake, uh, 30 rock and the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. What the fuck's he doing here? You're not qualified, sir. Well, you know, maybe they thought they could throw somebody in there and maybe he's doing his best Curtis every day. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to reenact the conversation that we're going to have. Okay. okay. Are you ready? I'm going to get, I'm going to say Nick Bernadone. Is that how you pronounce your name? He'll be. Yeah, that's, yes, yes. that's, that's correct. Uh, Nick Bernadone. I'll say, you know what? I don't like your writing on the walking dead. You'll be like, why don't you write it? No one will hire me. So sorry. I bothered you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, these, this is the first episode of this season that these guys have written. And when you have sort of been trapped in this storyline that the show has decided that it's going to inflict on our characters, where we've had a nuclear event and everyone is just going to ignore the fact that they should all be dead now and that none of them can apparently leave the nuclear event space because reason. <laughs> <laughs> the nuclear event space. <laughs> and I mean, it's just, well, I mean, okay, here's a scenario that I believe happened at the end of last season. They were like, we don't think you're coming back. No. <laughs> oh, no. no I got no. an idea. Let's blow it up. At the beginning of the writing process for that season, they thought they were done. No, AMC, AMC is going to melt this for as long as they possibly can. It's already been renewed for another season. They are just going to no, uh, no. Somebody I, thought, somebody thought that we just a zombie apocalypse wasn't is not exciting enough. We have to make it the uh, post-apocalyptic wasteland version of the story, and they were wrong. They were wrong. <laughs> I've already heard decision. heard and seen th- things like because this this part of the season has ended already. We're very behind. And I accidentally read two things that made me irritated and vindicated, but we can get to those later. It's well, okay, good, good preview for something good coming up. But yeah, this is this was a poor decision in terms of overarching story because they've complicated the situation far more than you need to. Oh, they've this separating everybody was such a big mistake. But they, but that's not uncommon for this show. They separate at the end of every season. They since like season two of the show, they have separated the entire cast. They've had to find their way back together over the course even, of the season. I don't even mind them being separated. I mind the fact that they sat there and went, "Let's slap a nuclear." <laughs> apocalypse on top of this story and then make everyone post-apocalypse nuclear apocalypse a moron the entire show is full of very stupid people right now and these are characters who have not always been portrayed as being extremely bright and clever they've made some dumb decisions before in the writer's room they call it vulnerable characters yeah, except that they've made all of these characters too dumb to live. Because here's the thing, and I'm going to mention it again in the next episode too, because there's this thing that happens when you set up a nuclear bomb nearby, you leave where the nuclear bomb went off nearby. You go away from that. 
And none of these characters are going away from that. It is the dumbest damn thing. It's like every time these characters are like, I have to stay. No, you don't. No, no you don't. You don't actually pick a direction and walk. <laughs> these are, this is so dumb. <laughs> well, I mean, I understand. Like, seriously, the thing is, June's right. If they were in a place where they could be safe and, and stay underground and not have, you know, to go for for about a year, that is exactly what they needed to do. She was 100% right in her estimation. Uh, but they made it like, I can't, it's because of my womanness, because I'm, I'm lost and my husband died and now I don't want to leave the bunker. Yeah, that's also stupid. I have opinions and theories, but I feel like it would be against my best interest to voice them because they might be considered uh, crazy. Okay, I like it. Um, or or mean or uh, misogynistic even. Because I feel like these two episodes that we watched tonight, neither of them were written by people who know how men behave with each other. It's it's kind of weird how feminine the characters were this this week very very girlish you know it, uh, not weak in a vulnerable character way but weak in a stereotypical lady way all of the men and and you know and and my dear jenna elfman as well just written as emotional basket cases that you know that stereotype is not exactly accurate oh no um, Do you I, see where I'm coming from at all? I wish I had a PowerPoint presentation for it. I, I didn't have time. Well, yeah. I, I can see characters being emotional basket cases, considering, you know, they just went through a nuclear event, um, which could be yeah, a little but traumatizing. I, 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 didn't, I didn't necessarily... Being so see- tore up about a, 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 a girl that you're supposed to... I have to kept a promise to bury put oh, this well, child to rest. No, I mean that it's that's an that's an old detective trope. That's an old yeah. that's an old detective story trope. It's the I can't let go of the past. I have to solve the crime I couldn't solve. It's that's a, that's the thing. I think you I think that's what I'm trying to get to in my most awkward way possible is the uh, the trope that they used was something they shoehorned in. It was something that they everybody's seen this this internal conflict on a detective show, you know, the case that didn't get solved right. And, you know, and and they could have put the Walking Dead stank on it and made it pretty compelling, but they didn't. They just kind of wrote it like just ignoring the oh yeah, I just mm, they could have so- kept it simple and made it and and made it more walking dead. And and I don't know how to describe what that looks like. They won't hire me. Uh, I don't know what to do. All right. Shall we move to uh, to the next episode? Yes. Um, if you'd like to pause and uh, um, hit yourself in the head with a hammer, then now would be the time because we're just going to do this same conversation again about a different episode. So here we go. Three, <laughs> three two, one. <laughs> so... Uh, if you, if you remember basically the entire B cast, 
uh, Sarah, Daniel, uh, Charlie, uh, uh, that artist guy with dreadlocks that Alicia liked, uh, and um, and Lucia all got saved by the by by uh, Al's plane or helicopter helicopter lady, and were dropped off somewhere. Uh, and we we open with Sarah waking up in a bed in what looks like a castle. It's an old fort, right? And so so her uh, her friends, they all everybody survived. They all made it to this cast this old fort uh, that has been converted to a bed and breakfast and is in a very in, in a safe zone much like victor strand's tower uh in the middle of nowhere and they uh are there and sarah has been uh like unconscious for like several days when the, when the episode opens because the helicopter almost crashed and they there was a whole thing about it and, and she you know, wasn't doing well. So she asks immediately where Wendell is and everybody's like, we don't know. We tried to find him, but we couldn't. And so then there's one of those repetitive time jump moments where she spends an untold amount of time trying to find him by going up on top of the hill and like speaking to the radio, which is literally exactly what John Dory Jr. Sr. did in the last episode. Every day he would go and talk on the radio. So they basically recycle that entire part until she gets a hold of Morgan. And Morgan's like, where are you? And she's like, well, Morgan, we're in a place where there's a thing. And you got to be careful because there's a unexploded nuclear missile around here somewhere. And, and he's like, I'm going to come find you. And she's like, I don't know if that's a good idea. Hang on one second. There's a guy with a... <laughs> with the van over there and the guy with the van is the guy whose twin brother morgan killed the bounty hunter uh that uh vanessa hired georgia penelope what was her name ask me i haven't i haven't committed to learning any of their names oh um anyway she hired him he killed him morgan killed him and now the brothers after morgan for killing so that's who's down there virginia he's like yeah He's, you're going to help me find Morgan and I'm going to kill him and then I'll help you find your brother. And Sarah's like, actually, I'd so much rather if we, you help me find my brother and then I'll help you find Morgan and you can kill him. And uh, the guy's like, dude, is that your friend? And she's like, yeah, but family. (laughs) (laughs) So they end up looking for Wendell, her brother, who's in a wheelchair and that leads them to those weird people in the masks. And there's one guy, and he's driving around, and he's, like, dropping walkers off in different places. And uh, they, they like, accost him, and he takes him to this barn. There's all sorts of walkers there. and But also Wendell's bloody uh, wheelchair. And so Sarah thinks that he's dead, and she gets very upset and has a panic attack. And the twin brother of the bounty hunter guy is like helps her through it, and it's all kind of sweet. And it turns out that he was like a, a rescue ranger, and uh, and the dog, which was the bounty hunter's dog, was actually his dog, and he helped him rescue ranger people. And so then he's like, "We didn't find your brother, so you need to help me find Morgan." And then they wreck the car, 
and then they find the unexploded nuclear warhead and oopsie doodles, there it is. I, just, I looked up at Curtis's face and you just look so sad. I'm trying, my, I'm trying my best, Curtis. Uh, there's no way you can salt and pepper this to be delicious. Okay. <laughs> so they find, they find the warhead. Mo Collins tries to get a hold of Morgan, but, and then the zombies show up, and then you know they got to deal with the zombies now, so they get out of the thing, and then Morgan shows up just in time to save somebody's life. And then what's-his-name tries to kill Morgan because he wants to kill Morgan with his brother's head because he's a fucking weirdo. <laughs> Yeah, and, this is and, that, and whose idea was that? What promise is he keeping to do that? That's ridiculous. I, I wonder. That, that makes me think. I, I wonder about that conversation. Hey, brother. Yes, brother. If I <laughs> if I ever become a walker, will you please cut off my head? Find the person that killed me and allow me to bite them so that they are dead as well. That is extremely specific. It's brother. a really specific thing. <laughs> you know what I want yes. for Christmas this year, bro? What? I need you to make me a promise. <laughs> I've written it all down. I've written it all down, and, and I put it and I put it in a three ring binder that I'm going to so, put in this box that has the name Morgan on it. I don't know why. <laughs> so here's well, the crazy. So- so the okay. box, the 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 name on the box thing, that was something that Virginia did, right? Yeah. Right, because she wanted Morgan's head, but Morgan she wanted Morgan's head, other right. dude's head in there, and sent it back. Which her brother got—I missed the whole part where her brother got the box, or his brother got the box. But anyway, <sighs> anyway, the the dog ends up getting bit by the face by the head of yeah. her brother's head, and so. Uh, Mo Collins chops the head in half, which must have been very satisfying to do uh, with a prop. And the props guys are probably like, please get it right, because we only have three of these. And it took me three weeks to make them, and I stayed up till four in the morning. And the props guys were like, thank God it, it chopped in half properly, and it, and it got all gooey. <laughs> and it, I feel bad for the props people on these shows, because they're busy. So as a result of his dog getting bit, uh, what's his name's brother just forgives Morgan. Just is like, sorry, I well, I realized well, the error of my ways as my dog is bit now. Well, but Sarah's also been working on him the entire time because she's been, you know, you're not a killer. This isn't, you know, this isn't who you are. He was a rescue ranger. Right. He's he's a good person at right. heart, and he's on a he's on a misguided revenge quest, which again, yeah, is another, which is another trope. And so, so he fails at that. So, in order to make himself, you know, make sense of it, rather than enjoying his failure, he he has uh, turned it into a win because he's he's morally come back to a good place, right? And he joins the party. Yes, and they're at partying. The end, at the end, he joins the party. You know what this reminded me of? You know, in like uh, old uh, uh, like RPGs, where like you would end up building a, a crazy army worth of like random fighters and magicians and stuff. Right. Sure. And like, like eventually, like you would have like a whole like barracks full of of random, you know, guys, and they're all just kind of sat at the barracks. That's what's going on now. Like the first parts of our party 
are in the barracks at the fort and the new shiny guy, the new shiny rogue has joined the party. And uh, oops, he turns out to be a cleric in disguise, but we'll keep him anyway. And so now, now they're going to not go worry about the guys over at the fort for a little while because they're fine. We don't need to worry about those guys until. Hey, they all had a line. This, they had, all had a line this episode, so we don't need to hear from them again. Well, and then we introduce a character who is clearly going to be Chekhov's cameo the next time he shows up because we set him up as this guy who, well, he's a good-hearted person. And he, he still can fight. So he's going to show up later when it matters the most, because that's what these characters do. Uh, but they all end up back at, they, uh, somehow they make it, this requires me going off on the time and distance rant, because they end up at Strand's <laughs> Tower of, of Redemption. In the blink of an eye. Because, of course they do. Which he has set up, he's surrounded his tower with all these zombies, which of course clearly is meant to be, you know, you can't you can't leave, you can't get in, but he has no problem getting in and out because they've got, of course, got a magic entrance somewhere. Um, but they've got this whole, I guess, thing they've built. This like a platform. Platform, which is, you know, I'm not sure when they built this thing or why it would be there if they didn't build it. It looks like you're supposed to like go up to the platform and like announce yourself on this telephone in hopes that you will be let into the tower. That's what it looks like to me. I am, I'm just imagine that when Coleman Domingo reads these scripts, like where he tries to piece together, to parse together what exactly Strand is doing. All he cares about at this point is I get to wear a hat. (laughs) That's his entire, that's Strand's motivation right now. Because he's a super villain. He's he's just a super villain now. And he's reveling in playing a supervillain, and I'm sure that Coleman Domingo is having a grand old time. Oh, no, I bet he is. That's what I'm saying. I bet he looks at it every day, and he's like, what kind of weird thing am I going to get to do with my Eartha Kitt accent today? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, that's what it is. This is Eartha well, Kitt. And, and Sarah, they, they go there, and they're going to try and find out if Wendell is inside. So Sarah calls, but Strand, of course, saw them coming. And so he gives them the speech. Of course, Wendell is safe inside, but you can't come in because I remember that you were not my friend back in the day, and you were mean to me and called me a nasty name and took my candy, and you can't come in. And it's just like, okay, come on, really? And then they all like, we're going to go away now and, and don't tell him I'm inside. It'll hurt him. But it's like, I'm thinking to myself, okay, first of all, Wendell does not appear in this episode. Wendell is dead. Wendell is dead. And if Wendell isn't dead, it's because the hand of the writer came down and saved him. So let's review. Here's the time and distance. Rant. Let's review. How long has Morgan and Death Wish Girl and Miracle Baby been in the submarine. How long? Ain't nobody know. Days and weeks. It's been days and weeks. How long has Sarah been unconscious? But, no, remember, at the beginning, she woke up at the beginning of the episode, and they said she had only been unconscious for two or three days. But then she, they did that montage of her going up the hill. So now we're supposed to be like, oh, it's okay, it's been days and weeks. Let's also review who exactly is Wendell, Wendell is her brother. What is what is one of the defining physical characteristics of Wendell? He's in a wheelchair. Right. 
<laughs> so nobody has seen Wendell in days, weeks, months. Right. He disappeared from the show before Alicia did. They flew away from where Wendell even was remotely nearby in a helicopter. How, how far did they go? Did they go like five feet? Because apparently they can all go search for where Wendell might be without any trouble. I'll do you one better. Remember last episode where it was all about Morgan and and Grace and, and the baby stuck in that, that submarine? Right, yeah. And what was the thing that Grace said? They could only go six hours before they had to come and respawn at the submarine. Right, yeah. And that they had tried a bunch of different directions and they could only go about three hours in any direction before they had to come back and they hadn't found a way out. That's why they were trapped. They hadn't found a way out of the stuff, right? Mm. Well, what happens this episode? Sarah and Morgan chat on the walkie-talkie and he's like, where are you? And she's like, I'm right here. And he's like, I'm on my way over. Let's meet for lunch. In this place where there is not like this entire sepia tone, desert, deserted, blown out landscape, it's all pretty pristine over there. Mm-hmm. It's all nice and shiny. But Morgan and Morgan can't take the baby and and Grace, Grace over there because you know uh, babies take longer to respawn. Folks, I'm sorry. If you're in a wheelchair, you're not out running a nuclear weapon. I'm sorry. You're just not. And if a character later finds a blood-covered wheelchair, that's generally a pretty good sign that the person who was in the wheelchair probably didn't make it. The idea severely bloody diarrhea at some point and had oh, to get that could be that. Maybe, maybe it had the the, the dreamcatcher disease from oh, that no, oh, no not dreamcatcher <laughs> oh. disease oh See? god. It's a deep cut for you. But the thing is, is that we have this guy who's like a miracle tracker, right? We have the, the, the brother uh, avenging his decapitated brother. I must kill Morgan, but I'm a genius tracker. It's like, first of all, no, you're not. You're a search and rescue guy. It doesn't make you a genius tracker because uh, anyway, there's just a whole. Well, he's one sixteenth Native American. That <sighs> makes him a great tracker. But he, he says, ah, if you, if you if you help me kill your friend, I will find your brother. I will. I I can always find a person. No, you can't. Okay, it's a nuclear irradiated wasteland. If Wendell was at like I don't know anything resembling close to ground zero, he's atoms. And if he was further away and he got caught in the blast, then he's a crispy fried zombie in which case you're never going to find him because guess what folks the world is littered with crispy fried zombies and you don't know where he was it's like none of this stuff is even possible a mystery character shows up and says oh you're looking for your brother Wendell. i see i ate his liver with a fucking glass of shitty radiated wine that i found (laughs) (laughs) as realistic as anything else that's happening in this episode it is just i mean look i like wendell as much as anybody else he's he was a perfectly fun character and and i don't i'm not like rooting for him to be dead but the way he hasn't been on the show in a full season like it's been he's been uh he's been like norm's wife on sheer (laughs) <laughs> you know we hear about Wendell every once in a while just to know that he existed like yes 
Remember Wendell? Yeah, he's fine. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, Strand at this point is. Do, do you can you believe anything Strand says about anything? So it's why would we even think that Wendell is even in there? I mean, it's just because we don't see him because the actor's got other things to do. Again, everything is five feet away from everything else. Morgan can just make his way over there without any trouble. The show is just wrong. It's just, it's, it's wrong. It's incorrect in all the ways. Let me tell you, let me, let me blow your minds. I'm ready. Um, I'm, I'm going to talk about, I'm going to talk about, uh, I'm just, I'm going to spoil the entire point of the rant that I may not end up going out off on Uh-oh. plumbing. Let's talk about waste disposal. Shall we? When you're in a bus that's been buried underground or whatever the hell that, that, that thing is, it looks like a bus that they buried and, you know, fixed up on the inside. Well, sooner or later, all that poop's gonna, you're gonna need a room for it. Sooner or later, somebody is gonna fart. Yeah. And, uh, and I don't know how they're getting their air filtered, but the, the smells, oh my God. Oh, but wait, this is the world of The Walking Dead where nobody has a sense of smell anymore because the entire world is a rotting cesspool. That's true, but some, but they gotta, I mean, they gotta poop. They gotta. Yeah. You can't does. leave that out. I read a book about it. Well, yeah, everybody I, does. I'm sure, I'm sure the, the, the theory here is that since Teddy set the place up to be his survival bunker, he had already planned for this. So somewhere there's some chemical toilet over there that that's doing the job yeah. for them. And but it's you know, I'm sure Jen Elfman is thrilled to have to crap in front of an old dude. It probably makes her day, right? <laughs> and then, but in the tower, it's the same thing. You know, they don't have running water. What are they doing for? What are, I mean, they just dedicate a floor to it. They shove it over the side chemical you, toilets in that you, place did either of you watch the last man on earth yeah the will for that i love oh, how they did it that where it's oh. like yeah the pool yeah he just fill the pool up and then move yeah <laughs> that was really funny see yeah. that's how you address an issue on a show you address it and i never had any problems with last man on earth it all seemed fine well, this is the, there's a whole lot of hand wavium that's been going with The Walking Dead ever since the beginning, yeah, whether it's the original series or this series. And, know, and smell but... is just one of those things because, like I said, and none of these people bathe. Uh, so, you know, it's everyone, the entire world is just one stinky place that everyone has just gotten used to. Yeah. I was having a conversation with my lady friend about, how really awkward it must have been to have to smell everyone's genitals back in the old days. Just everybody walking around with their ripe, stinky cheese nuts. <laughs> but they didn't care back then. Well, the, I know perfume and colognes were, well, I don't know if they had cologne, but I know the perfumes were a lot stronger back then. Yeah. Uh, and Yeah, I mean, it's just... The idea that that any of these folks are going to complain about the smell at this point, except when when it matters and they make a face and they go into some place that clearly is so bad they recognize you know it stinks. <laughs> but our, wow. our our culture, I mean, before it went bad and and everybody blew up in the nuclear war, our culture made a made it a priority to 
not have to stink. And, and, you know, we've been working on technology for this for, you know, since the fucking Incans, you know, (laughs) but this is, this is an example of do not stare directly at the walking dead universe. You will go blind. And and I dove too deep. I got the bands. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's just, it's the same five square miles the nuclear radiation has a hard line where all the dust and, and fallout gray sky things clearly has a place where it just stops because we're outside of it for most of this episode. And that's not how any of this works, guys. That's not how any of this stuff works. And it was only saving graces. I only have to see it once. I'm sorry to be all Haiti, you know, because I know the internet is forever and maybe someday one of these producers or writers or actors or something are going to stumble upon this, this podcast and they're going to think I'm a prick because I'm talking shit on them so much. Well, if they've listened to any previous episodes, they may have gotten the impression since I don't know the beginning that Dustin and I have been watching this show with the walking dead shows with a certain amount of jaded cynicism and occasional rage yeah um, for just how much they quite frankly expect the audience to be dumb well i mean they can easily expect that because i've noticed everyone is so dumb i have i mean i am lucky to be surrounded with some really smart people virtually online you know in my my physical environment it is really hard really hard to find a smart person Folks who think they're smart, they would never catch on to the poop issue. <laughs> I, just, I had the same issue with the fucking Star Trek Next Generation. I had the what same issue. Yeah, I'm like, I realized that they use the they use the waste and stuff. But one time, can we get a glimpse of a fucking bathroom? Just a toilet in another room. You know, like somebody's coming out and they shut the light off. They're like, don't go in there, Spock. (laughs) (laughs) You don't even know what's been going on in here, buddy. I had some Talishian uh, felt maggots. And they just disagreed with me. Spock's like, oh, yeah, I, I understand intellectually, of course. (laughs) intellectually of course (laughs) well we have uh some horrible things to look forward to my boys there's so many episodes left there's one called till death and the next one after that is called reclamation and then one is called the portrait one is called padre and then there's another one called poontang i don't know what that's about so five more yeah i think five more um two things do we want to talk about the the way that the internet accidentally spoiled me or the one that i did on purpose first Uh, dealer's choice let's let's hear things we have to look forward to in fear the walking dead in the next upcoming episode uh and if you don't want me to talk about it i won't go ahead things we are going to see number first uh, apparently, Alicia gets an arm bite in an upcoming episode. And being a smarty, he's a smarty every day, she uh, cuts off her arm because that is canon that, you know, when you are bitten, 
you cut off the offending body part. And if you did it fast enough, you're going to be okay. Yep. Well, apparently when we catch back up with Alicia, she has been suffering with her arm, her lopped off arm, slowly but surely becoming a walker for several weeks. And she even says, it didn't take, and I'm going to become a walker, and it's taking a real long time to happen because, because that's how we've never done it before. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to hate it. So A, she's becoming Rick from the comic, and B, somebody has watched Z Nation. So yeah, somebody has watched Z Nation because she's yeah. going to end up being zombie immune. Because on the previous episode, you may recall my rant about why we shouldn't be watching um, Walking Dead World Beyond because it's stupid. Yeah, um, I have peeked ahead again <laughs> to the final episode of um, that particular show where. The origins of the zombie plague have been somewhat more defined. And we had a flashback, actually, to first season of The Walking Dead. Their little visit to the CDC is tied back into this, uh, where the actual uh, first bit of information about where the zombie virus comes from, that ties into World Beyond. And the idea that there are folks who are immune to zombies uh, ties into world beyond so this is all just a thing that is a thing uh, that is going to go on forever um i don't know i mean part you know of what me- uh, you know what if i what i was kind of hoping is that it would end up being like oh no alicia's been bit she's turned slowly to a zombie and then the, the, the next one's like yeah i think i might have just had like a like a, a head cold <laughs> Like, well, gosh, you, know, you know, I've always had bad allergies. Well, considering the fact that if you cut off your arm in this filthy, post-apocalyptic, irradiated world, you're probably going to take a little longer to recover. Mm-hmm. You might be sick. I don't know. I mean, you know, there's all kinds of things that can get into your chopped off arm wound. And then apparently the the Walking Dead, the Fear of the Walking Dead has heard me screaming into the void uh, because apparently the last episode of this season, Kim Dickens' Madison returns and she is going to be a series regular starting in season eight. But the thing is, the sad thing is, Dustin, she's not going to show up and go, what the fucking hell have you all been doing, you What's moron? What's going on? Everyone gets walk- a spanking. Well, she, yeah, if she doesn't walk in and slap everyone across the face, walk up to Strand and knee him in the crotch. I mean, if she doesn't just do those things right off the bat, then then I want my money back. <laughs> she's going to go, where's my goddamn daughter? And everybody's going to go, oh, oh, you don't want to. She's going to uh, go, where, where's mm-hmm. my son? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Where, yeah, she did where is her son? Dead. dead. Oh, yeah, he died. Charlie shot him right in the double face. I'll be damned. Chest. She, chest. Well, she this is what happened when you have to fire the guy who keeps showing up to set drunk and breaking things. That would that would happen. It was one of those. He, he Yancey butlered it. He didn't want to be on the show anymore, and he apparently has issues with self-control, and uh, he sat there and went, I don't care anymore. Everybody just take him in. 
does it ever like make you angry when you hear stories like that? It's like, I would so much, I would devote my myself in an unhealthy way to writing for a show like The Walking Dead. And I feel like the guys who are doing it are like, like, well, whatever. And then you're an actor. You're a great actor. And to hear a story of an actor is like, I'm the lead on the show, but I just don't want to do it anymore. So I'm going to be disruptive and and irritating on set until they fire me. Well, I think I I don't think it was entirely just a conscious decision. I think it was also a case of he just couldn't help himself. I mean, some people are self-destructive like that. It's not the first time fucking Corey Feldman's been trying to ruin himself for, you know, a few decades now. And he's still touring with that shitty band. He's got a box set out now. He, that didn't work out. He, he thought that would that would put him in, uh, in the ground. He'd like, That's- you know, to have a have a band and, you know, catch his STD, do a bunch of heroin and die unexpectedly that's what everybody thought would happen to him but he's still around and that's going to be the same thing with him he's gonna be this uh, that fella he's just gonna try and try again to self-sabotage until uh he's finally the most famous person in the world and beloved by all but i don't think i've heard anything from him since he quit to be honest i don't i don't remember hearing anything else about him either so perhaps he's doing fine over in the uk um and uh uh he's happy and content probably taking his walking dead money and living you know normal regular dude life got a flat in london or something could be all right i think we've ranted enough i'm gonna keep my eye out i'm gonna keep my eye out for for poop evidence there you go so curtis has a plan (laughs) and dustin has a plan and we'll do this again um because we have no choice. That's this is the, what the monkey's paw said we have to do. <laughs> if we don't do this, folks, the monsters will come and eat us. Yeah. And, you know, I'm sorry to all the hardworking people who are employed by the producers of this show for all of the terrible things that we always say about you that you have no control of. I'm sure they, this I, is not the first, we're not the first people who have who have had some complaints got to have some thick skin to be in this business you do i'd love i'd love for you to come on our show so we could fight come on our show and let's no fight about kidding. it Ooh, ooh, let's invite some people we haven't had a guest well you know um the problem is the problem is is that i don't know that that we I mean mo collins came on the show and she was a delightful delightful guest i just don't know that she'd want to come back well, no, of course um, not. We now that we're going to sit there and go, so why is the show so stupid right now? <laughs> I can't believe you guys get to talk to Mo Collins. When did that happen? Oh, about Here's a year ago. and a half ago. Yeah. yeah. Well, I listen to a podcast uh, that my friend does, and he has guests on all the time. Every yeah. week he's got a guest, somebody with a different perspective. Let's see if we can find a, a nuclear physicist. Nah. To, to watch an episode with us and then and then we'll talk about it i think it'd be fun that might be our viral episode all right do the outro and i promise i won't inter- interrupt and yell at our our fan for not you know, reaching out <laughs> i don't know that i believe you 
All right, folks. Well, we appreciate you listening to us rant. Uh, and we hope that if you have a different opinion, you'll let us know. You can find us in the usual podcast places. You can leave us a comment. You can leave us a rating. Ratings are good. Um, and uh, we would love to hear from you guys. Um, find, uh, find us on Facebook and Twitter. And we're out there in the world complaining about other things as well. As always, we appreciate you guys listening. Thank you, Dustin. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, Curtis. Thank you, Tim. And again, folks, we do appreciate you guys tuning in. We will see you on our next episode of Zompocalypse Now. Zompocalypse Now is produced and recorded by Timothy Harvey, Dustin Adair, and Curtis Smith for Just Some Guy Productions. All rights reserved.